When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Riley drops back, looks, looks, dances and throws, and he's going deep down the field. Oh, what a catch by Darrell Walker, who skips his way to the end zone. He'll drop it off to Pouillon, twist it back to McDavid, inside to Everly, reshot, score! 3 nothing. Jordan Everly from Connor McDavid, and the Oilers are home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Lights, camera, and almost time for action for the final Edmonton Oilers game at Rexall Place. It'll start at 5 tomorrow afternoon. And, of course, we'll have it for you right here on 6.30. Chad, boy, going to be fun tonight. Mark Lamb, who scored a huge goal for the Oilers in the 1990 playoff run all the way to the Stanley Cup. He's going to join us tonight. Cal Nichols, the former chairman of the Edmonton Investors Group, on the show tonight. And also Denny Savard, who often came into Rexall Place, then Northlands Coliseum, as an opponent all ahead. In a few minutes, you'll hear from Connor McDavid, Matt Hendricks as well, a couple of... uh, Former Oilers on the show as well, Yari Curry and UC Marketing with some of their memories. Jack Michaels will be on the show. Man, we got a ton to get to tonight. Of course, I always want to hear from you. 780-496-0063 is the phone number. You can also text us to 630-630. I know on a show last week, we got a little bit into Rexall Place memories and uh, non-sports-related as well. I know it's people texting and calling in about some concerts, and we've had some uh, interviews about that. Uh, Don Clark told some great stories yesterday about the Bay City Rollers, where he had to pull the plug on them. That was pretty entertaining about the Who trashing a, a dressing room at Rexall Place, and he just took $10,000 off their check for that show. So those stories like that were pretty interesting. Uh, tell you what, as we weave in and out of the interviews tonight, you, of course, are always uh, welcome to jump in either on the text line or on the phone line. or oh, the email, email, by the way, inside sports at 630ched.com. You can tweet me at Reed Wilkins. Let me ask you this. Do you have a uh, memory... And look, I'm going to say memory. It doesn't have to be a good memory. It doesn't even have to be a bad memory. Maybe it was something weird or something just for for whatever reason you haven't forgotten. Something that is not related to the Oilers actually winning the Stanley Cup. So another game, maybe another team, a player that you enjoyed watching. Anything along those lines. We can do a little reminiscing uh, tonight. Final Oilers game in the building. If the Oil Kings can win two games in Brandon, they will have more games in Rexall Place. And I can tell you that the Oil Kings are underway in Brandon and no score early. The road team has won every game in the series. The Oil Kings won the first two. Brandon won the next three. Now the Oil Kings have to win two 
to advance to the next round. We'll keep you updated tonight. It is just underway. No score early on. My name is Reed Wilkins, by the way. It is 6.09. This is Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, thank you so much for tuning in. We already got Jim on the phone line. Before I bring Jim in, I want to remind you, it's going to be incredible tomorrow. Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2. Uh, I believe I'm going to cover the uh, rally at Churchill Square over the noon hour. Then we'll have a documentary, one-hour documentary, Rexall's Last Stand from 2 to 3. It was, it was so cool to put this together along with Dean Vince in our production department, so I hope you can tune into that. The face-off show will start at 3, the game will start at 5, and then we're on air after the game with overtime open line and all the post-game festivities. So it's going to be a full day to celebrate the Oilers' final game at Rexall. All right, Jim has called in right off the hop. Jim, you must have been raring to talk to me tonight. How are you doing? Oh, I'm always ready to talk to you, Reed. Oh, thanks. <laughs> hey, Reed, I want to talk about when I was a season ticket holder in the last year of the WHA, in about 86. So what I want to talk about is, and what I don't appreciate, and I'm not sure it'll be any different than the new place, but I remember that you could go downstairs and watch the orders come out. And they used to have kids, their eyes were just as big as saucers uh, doing this. Of course, now they, they've changed it. Uh, you can't go down or you can't see it at all unless you, you know, basically have a, a ticket in that area. So for me, that was just to see those those little kids getting, their, getting an opportunity to see their, their heroes or their icons was just really something for me. Yeah, I believe now you have to have a 100-level ticket to be under there before yeah. the game. I think anybody can go down after the game. Um, yeah, I don't know, Jim, what the walkout procedure is going to be like in the new building. If it's If it's out there, I've missed it or I've forgotten, so I'm not sure about that. Yeah, it's really sad because for these kids that, you know, for them to, to go down there and wait in line for the orders uh, to, to, to come out of the room was, was just very special. It's really too bad that when they did all the renovations they took that away from them. Yeah, but, so do you, you know, do you still have tickets, Jim? What's that? Do you still have season tickets? No. No, but you did for a while, 80s and 90s? Well, I, I, we got it from the last season the WHA. Okay. Until 86. Oh, wow, so early on. Cool. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. And I remember, uh, I, I actually remember talking to Peter Blocking, and uh, he's actually come out back then. He's pretty brave. Uh, and he actually uh, came in with the crowd to talk to people, and that was quite something to see. But, yeah, I mean, lots, lots of memories. But you know what? It's as good as it was. It's time to move on, and I'm sure that the, the new arena will have its special time uh, for us all. And, uh, and I just hope that uh, maybe by a new building we'll get a winning team. Well, I hope so. Jim, thanks for calling, man. Take care. That is Jim, 780-496-0063. I know with Rogers Place, now I have not been in there for, man, I, I don't think I've been in for like a site tour since it's been enclosed. I know they have had a couple of media tours, but I don't think I was able to go on them. Uh, I know somebody described the size as overwhelming when you're used to Rexall Place. So I, I think it's just going to feel a lot bigger and a lot grander. So so that's going to be interesting for sure. All right, Jamie on the phone lines as well. Hey, Jamie, how's it going? Pretty good, Reed. How about yourself this uh, evening? Having a great day. That's uh, good. I just wanted to share a memory. You might get a bit of a chuckle off this. Um, I've always been an early adopter of technology, and I remember back in 2005 um, going to the game Edmonton versus Detroit, game five, the one where we actually finally, uh, well, 
until the start of the, the run, let's put it that way. So game, game 6, 2006 you're talking about, right? Because it would have been a home game in game for game. Because uh, there was yeah, no, there were right. no playoffs in 2005, right? Sorry, 2006. Yeah. You're right. Sorry, yeah. my bad. No, no. Just, Anyways, yeah. do you remember the Hemsky goal that they literally sat there for 10 minutes trying to, uh, trying to figure out if it was a legitimate goal? Okay, yeah. I had the entire section, like about 30 people around me sitting there just plastered, trying to see it on a little screen on my smartphone, the replay <laughs> oh, from no uh, way. CBC on that. And all, all, all of us could see is the puck go off, a big oil drop on his chest, and go in the net. We're all sitting there going, this is a good goal. We couldn't understand why it was taking so long. But, I mean, can you imagine back in that day, you know, now we have our iPhones and our iPads, but I had this little smartphone that had Internet access at wow. that time. And everybody in the section was sitting there. And you know what actually stood up more for me from that game? What's was that? the chant. The chant that went up from just but everybody in, in the crowd. We want Calgary. Oh, roll right, yeah, because they could have played them. <laughs> Well, that's um, that. So you were already streaming video on your phone ten years ago. You were ahead of the curve, Jamie. Yeah, like that. That series, uh, that entire playoff run, I made made. I, I blew a lot of money during that run because I know I went to one game in every city. Oh, jeez. And I think the other really good memory I had from that run was when we went to San Jose, and uh, some San Jose San Jose fans decided to start booing the national anthem. Oh. Me and a couple, uh, couple of uh, about fourteen guys I went to high school with. We went down to the game down in San Jose. I'm a uh, white collar worker. The rest of them are all. I hate to use the term break picks. <laughs> and when when the uh, San Jose fans started actually booing the national anthem and seeing a bunch of these break picks sitting there just glaring at some of these guys, you should have seen how quickly these San Jose fans shut up in our section where we were at and just kind of stopped booing the Canadian National Anthem. Yeah. But to go back to Edmonton, favorite memory was actually Paul Laurier putting down the mic and letting the crowd sing the anthem. Yeah, that was incredible. That And you know what? There's going to be a bit on that in the documentary tomorrow, Jamie, so I hope you can tune in. Thanks for calling. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye. All right, 780-496-0063. We also have Keith on the line. Keith, you're on with Reed on Inside Sports. What's up? Hi, Reed. Just want to give you a, 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 my, my favorite uh, memory. I, I came from Newfoundland in 1997, and I grew up watching the Montreal Canadiens on CBC. And that was all I knew about the NHL was TV. And uh, friends I worked with here, about six months after I was here, talked me into going to a game at Rexall, uh, at Skyreach at that time. And I went. We had the uh, cheap seats, and I uh, asked for a couple of bubblies. I got the courage to go down a little lower, and the, the security girl said I couldn't stand where I was. And I was so fascinated by by being able to see an actual NHL game uh, live. I, I almost had tears in my eyes. I was so excited. I was probably about 30. And that girl, I explained to me. Oh, Keith, we're losing you. Oh, that's such a good story. Oh, Keith. Took, I, I'm on the cell. I, she took me down to the goal club. She took me for a tour. She allowed me to buy a beer in a golf club. Then she brought me up, stood me in, a, in, a, in probably the best standing spot in the stadium. She said, you stay there. Enjoy your game. Welcome to Edmonton, Alberta. 
and please don't get, uh, cause me any trouble. And I was so impressed. I said, if this is the city I came to from a small town, I love it here. And I uh, dropped the Montreal Canadiens and been an Oilers fan, bleed gold and, and copper the rest of my days. Keith, what year was that? 1997. And how old were you? I was about 35, I believe. And you'd never been in an NHL rink, eh? Wow, that's incredible. Never, and I'll tell you, Reed, I, to to be someone who's never been to an NHL game, to actually be able to go see one, and then the reception I got uh, when I got there, I knew my move was, was right, and I've been in Edmonton all the rest of my life, and I'll retire, and I'll uh, they'll put me to rest here. Keith, that's, a, that's an awesome story. Glad you like living here so much, man. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks so much, Reed. Thanks for thanks for having the city you have. That is Keith on line two. Wow. That's something. Back with Connor McDavid. If these walls had ears. The stories they would tell. We got Wayne from uh, Indianapolis. I knew that he was the guy we had to build a team around. From humble beginnings. To the last great dynasty. They have won their fifth Stanley Cup championship in seven years. Tune in Wednesday at 2. Rexall's last stand. In over the line, McDavid is in. Only on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, well, I can tell you that Brandon is up 2 0 on the Oil Kings halfway through the first period. The Blue Jays are leading Tampa Bay 2-0 in the top of the fourth. The Jays looking for their third straight win to start to the season. That's your first look at the Crystal Glass scoreboard, courtesy of Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, call 310-GLASS today. A couple of quick text messages. Roland says, Hey, Reed, I remember going to games with my dad in the 80s when smoking was allowed on the concourse, and after every intermission, a huge cloud of smoke would come down above the rink. Those were the good old days. That's from Roland. I I also remember the clouds of smoke in the rink when I went to a few games as a uh, youngster. Adam says, The most fun I had was during the 2006 Cup run. During the tailgating before the game, they had a beer garden. Inside, they were selling liquor tickets for 5 bucks apiece. Just outside, there was a minor hockey team selling an arm's length of 50-50 tickets for $5. They just happened to be the same tickets. We barely made it into the game. That is from Adam. Oh, my. (laughs) The kids didn't know what they were enabling. We have James on the line. James, thanks for calling. Hi, Reed. Hey. Hi, I just wanted to share a memory I had, actually. I bought um, a, a Gretzky jersey. I think it was August 8th. It was the day before he got traded to L.A. Okay. And um, I was I was just telling the gentleman there on the phone that uh, actually every game I went to after that, I couldn't afford to go to many, um, but that was back in 1988. Yeah. Yeah. And he, uh, every time I went to get an autograph, I just missed him by seconds. And, and uh, so my wife had actually, um, like, We'd been to a few games and and we went to the retire like the retirement game there. Okay. In, in 1999, and then uh, actually we went. My wife bought me tickets for the uh, the pre-party on the Heritage Classic, and uh, the funny part was was that uh, 
I, I had my felt in my hand and my, and my jersey, and I was like, I finally get my autograph, and Gretzky walked past me there, and I just touched him on the arm just because I didn't want to be too aggressive. And, I just, and, and just as he turned around, he was going to, he looked right at me, and then someone yelled out, hey, Wayne, and that was it. He turned around, and he walked away, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that was the, the closest I ever got to having a, um, an autograph from him. Like, I even went to the, you know, the post-retirement party and everything like that, and it was just like, uh, you know, I was, I was the biggest Gretzky fan ever, but uh, it was just, uh, it, was, it was a nice memory. That was, um, you know, and I can't go to the game tomorrow night, but uh, I just want to wish the Oilers well and, and uh, you know, just a lot of good memories of that place. Yeah, that's a cool story about Gretzky, James. Thanks for calling. All right, have a good night, sir. 624 Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Chad says, I moved here from Newfoundland in 2003, got to one game then went in on season tickets for 05-06. I got to six games in the playoffs. I still tear up when I hear Paul Lorio on that commercial. That is from Chad. Uh, what was the other one here? Well, I'm not good. Uh, Stephen texted in a trade request. I don't know if I'm going to do a, or a trade proposal. I don't, I don't, you guys know my feelings on trade proposals. I don't know if I'm going to do one tonight. Uh, do we have time to do... We don't quite have time for the Connor McDavid. Oh, let's do the... the I'll do the Matt Hendricks here instead, Kellen. Then we'll do uh, McDavid after the news. Here's uh, Matt Hendricks today after practice. Coach was uh, obviously wasn't happening after Saturday. I don't think you guys were either. And he was uh, pretty pointed in his comments and a couple of intense practices. How has the team been uh, accepting that message? Well, I think we responded well. Um, and I don't want to talk too much about the other night, but it was a... It was a poor effort on our part, um, unacceptable, um, no matter where you are. But when you're at home, definitely unacceptable. So, uh, yeah, he, he put the we put the work boots on the last couple of days, and he demanded a lot of us in, in terms of practicing and skating and executing. And, you know, I thought everyone responded well, came to work, worked hard, and hopefully these results will, uh, will help us tomorrow night. All right, and tomorrow night is the uh, final home game of Rexall Place. You've played here, obviously, as an Oiler and as a as a visitor. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if uh, did the players think about the the buildings at all that the, that they're in. I know, especially when you're on the road, you're 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 maybe not in them very long. But uh, when I say Rexall Place, what do you think of? Well, it, back in '09 or when I played my first game here, I think it was uh, with the Avalanche. You know, obviously. The history is the first thing that you think about. All the past Oilers, Stanley Cup wins, and and then the, the ice. You get out on that ice for the first time, and just how great it is to skate, and how fast the ice is, and how much harder you seem to shoot the puck out there, and all those great feelings. But you know, for me, it's the biggest thing is the history, and all the players that have played here before before me. And you know, I'm just happy to to be at, to be in the same arena as they were. What's it like when you know there's going to be, you know, alumni here and a ceremony after the game? Because players always talk about wanting to focus and, you know, sort of the shift by shift by thing in a game. But you you know, there's a lot of other stuff that's going to be happening today and tomorrow. Right. There's going to be a lot of, you know, there's going to be a lot of past players here. Um, you know, it's a big night for the city of Edmonton, but. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say we want to we want to win a game for those guys. Um, obviously, it means a lot that they're here, but we're more concerned about our group. We want to win for each other and here first, and and win for them next. Five o'clock start at home. How do you prepare differently for that, if at all? Uh, it won't be much different. I'm sure we'll have some meetings in the morning. Uh, probably won't have a pregame skate, but basically just take a regular seven or seven thirty start, and you just move it up a couple hours. So you try to do everything. You know, for me, I just try to do everything. Eat two hours earlier for breakfast and. 
kind of get ready, prepare that way. Still ahead on Inside Sports, Cal Nichols, Mark Lamb, and in the next half hour, former Chicago great Denny Savard. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. The NHL schedule tonight includes a game in Chicago between the Blackhawks and the Arizona Coyotes. It is about to get underway. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chad, and we are going to welcome to the show one of the greats from the history of the Chicago Blackhawks. It is Denny Savard. Hey, thanks for taking time to join us tonight. Denny, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Reed. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. Now, are you at at the rink ready for the game? Yes, I am. Oh, Actually, geez. we could hear the horn going on. The game's going to be starting in a few minutes, so it's all good. Well, <laughs> th- thanks for fitting us in uh, with a busy schedule and the and the Hawks pushing for the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, huge game coming up here tomorrow night. Uh, not the playoff implications that I guess we would have hoped for a few months ago, but Rexall Place closing down. It was Northland's yeah. Coliseum throughout uh your career. I mean, what was it like to come to Edmonton as a visitor, especially when you were with Chicago? Well, very intimidating, no question, but uh, we knew that uh, it was going to be a fun game to get into, uh, playing against one of the best teams ever. Um, obviously, one of the greatest player ever, and Gratz, obviously, we all know that. And, uh, you know, the one thing, the one thing I remember the most is, is uh, you know, it was a quiet building, especially during the regular season. But the one thing people did is is they applaud the great place, and obviously they saw a lot of it, you know, from the great one, his teammates. And uh, but even for us, when we made some plays, you could see they they had the reaction of like, whoa, you know, one of those. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a tough building to play in, great ice, um, because the opponent uh, was difficult uh, to play against. They were such a great team. Uh, I, I, honestly, probably one of the best ever. Uh, I know there've been some great teams in Montreal in those years, and uh, but uh, you know the Oilers were very good in the '80s. There's no doubt about that. They were very, uh, very deep in every position, and uh, they had uh, one of the greatest goalies in our days in Grand Fear. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned an intimidating team. Certainly, any team with Gretzky and Messier as your your top two centers is is going to present some some matchup problems, I suppose. <laughs> but I mean, they they had the Semenkos, and the, and the when the Oilers look back on that era. They often talk about themselves as, as truly a team, very close-knit. And, you know, the Gretzkys and Messies of the world give a lot of credits to the Saminkos and the Dave Browns and the Kevin McClellans. Were, were, they, were they difficult in that aspect uh, as, as well? What do you remember about their physicality and, and their tight-knittedness? Well, they, they were able to play any type of game that you want to play against. Um, obviously, they got, you know, gritty, uh, grittier as a team as you know their their franchise progressed, and the fact that because uh, even our team, uh, when we you know acquired the rights of Kurt Fraser, we had LC Court, so we're a pretty tough and gritty team as well. So you know teams tend to to, to match each other up that way, um, especially on the on the toughness side of it. So yeah, it was uh, it was tough. You know we didn't I didn't really get to play against uh, Dave and those guys. You know the, you know the lines were matching up pretty much where I played against either Gretz or Mess uh, most nights. So. Um, yeah, tough, <laughs> tough to play against those guys. No question. We forget the the Lee Fogelin and the Kevin Lowe's. They were a great player, great defenseman. Dr. Greg. Uh, yeah, they were a great team, and uh, and I know why they won so many Stanley Cups. I know now that uh, looking back and talking with the, some of the guys and, and Wayne himself, 
uh, they were they were tight knit. They were together uh, on a lot of occasions, and they did a lot of things together as a team. And it's probably why they won a lot of championships. Denny Savard joining us on Inside Sports. I mean, when you're when you're on the ice against Wayne Gretzky, what's going through your mind? And I'm asking you, as you were also one of the top offensive players of that era. But you know, when you had the puck, you were pretty. You gave teams a lot to worry about. But when you're on the ice against Gretzky, what was going through your mind? Well, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you're trying to survive. I mean, uh, you know, play against a great one, uh, you know, <laughs> you know he's going to get his share of goals and his share of chances in the game. That's just the way it was. And you're open to match, uh, you know, match them night in, night out. And obviously it, it didn't happen. Um, and, you know, as a player, of course, he, you know, we know the great one was the best ever, but he had that killer instinct. You know, when it was time to get that, that goal to put a team away, he found a way to do it. And um, so these are the times I remember. Um, you know, obviously, Mess was obviously a great leader and a great player. And but they were a great team. They were built, you know, just uh, from 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 the first line to the fourth line to the first defenseman to their 60 and to the goaltending. Uh, even when Andy Mugwin was there, he was he was a great goalie. Mugi was a great goalie himself. So yeah, they. Uh, you know, as I said before, they were one of the top teams ever. There's no question about that. I mean, you compare eras, uh, obviously it's different, but, yeah, they were great. Danny, I'm going to ask you a, a, a fun one here. Well, I hope you think it's fun. Was there anybody on the Oilers that at the time you really hated? Like, you just didn't, you just despised. You mean like Slats? <laughs> <laughs> how come, uh, how come Slats? <laughs> yeah, no, well, we've had our issues, right? But. Uh, at the end of the day, I know he's a great man and he's a great hockey person, obviously, and uh, he's done such a great, great job for the game and for the league. And so, yeah, I mean, we're yeah, we had rivalries. There's no question. There's, there's many times we face each other over the years, and you know, uh, part of also the the it was you know, intimidating was part of the game. And and uh, yeah, we've got a few of our battles, and the fact that he didn't make me uh, make the team in Canada Cup in 1984 was. A little bit of uh, something I've had in my back of my mind. <laughs> so, no, it's all good today. You know, I mean, uh, we moved on with our lives, and uh, we're very fortunate to, to play this game as long as I have, and I'm sure Slats has been involved in the game as long as he has. He's He's been blessed as well. Did you did you ever get an adequate explanation as to why you weren't on the 84 Canada Cup team? Uh, I was out of shape. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and, and really, uh, you know, we came to camp um, – in those days, we trained, but we didn't train like like today's kids are training. You know, we didn't have that the programs or the assistance of of people helping us out. So, I skated throughout the summer. You know, uh, and obviously, when you get to a camp like Canada Cup or Team Canada, was was high pace. And, and we started the camp. Uh, I think we only had like ten days to get ready for the for the cup. So, you know, at the time, I wasn't probably playing the best hockey that I should have been playing. And uh, you know, I was open to, to have a little more time, but uh, that wasn't the case. No big deal. It's, all over, it's over with now. <laughs> Denny Savard joining us on Inside Sports. Denny, I know you want to go watch the game, so just a couple more for you. I just want to touch on another uh, couple aspects of, of, of your career. You won the Stanley Cup in 1993 with the Montreal Canadiens, one of the most incredible runs ever where you guys won 10 overtime games. I think you had a, a foot injury in the final and you missed the last three or four games. Yep. Um, but what allowed uh, – I mean, and you played on some really good teams in Chicago too that maybe would have been in the final if not for Calgary and Edmonton. What allowed that – what was special about that 93 team that allowed you guys to reach the top? 
Well, again, you talk about team chemistry. Uh, you know, we had a tight knit ourselves. Uh, you know, there was a good group, and obviously, goaltending is where you start to win championships. And we had the great Patrick Waugh. Uh, you know, and we won in 10 overtimes in that year consecutively. We've lost the first one and went on to win the 10 next one. So that alone was uh, is a record that's probably going to be very difficult to beat. Um, just the fact that, uh, you know, we had Patrick. I mean, they. And not that we were the best team, but uh, at that time we played uh, we played some good hockey together, and we uh, you know we beat the Nordiques, who I think uh, at the time they finished first overall, and we beat them in the first round. We were down two nothing the first series, went on to win the series uh, in six games. So yeah, it was a good time. I'm glad that I got that opportunity to to, to lift the cup and have my name on it. As a young boy, obviously your dream is to play in the NHL, but. Once you're there, you definitely want to have a chance to to win Lord Stanley, and uh, very blessed that I've got to to do that. Yeah, and finally, now first of all, just to clarify, you're you're working as a uh, is it, what's your title with the Hawks now? Is it community ambassador? So ambassador. We do. We okay. do uh, matter of fact, today we had one of our sponsors that have had uh, a drawing for their company, and they've had like about 50 people that want a drawing. So I went up there and uh, did a little bit of a you know, talk for a few minutes and then took pictures and signed autographs. So that's pretty much what we do. And our Hawks are very good. They're, uh, they're good about that. And they're, you know, they like to give back to our sponsor, obviously, and to our fans. And that's what, that's what we do as ambassadors. It's a lot of fun. All right. And I, and I should just get you to comment on, I mean, when, when you were a Chicago Blackhawk, they were, they were usually a pretty good team. Uh, they, they had some years, you know, I think 10 years where they were only in the playoffs once and then they got some high draft picks, and they've had, they've had st- stability in management and, and coaching. And now, obviously, you, the Chicago Blackhawks, are the the premier organization in in the National Hockey League. Maybe just a thought on on how this franchise has been able to not just build up, but but stay at the top. Well, you know, I think I think the Oilers are going through that right now. You know, uh, acquiring obviously getting the, the the first pick again last year with Connor and. Uh, some of those other kids that are, you know, have been around now a couple of years. I think, you know, it takes time. I mean, you have to be patient. I think the others are, are doing that now. And, uh, you know, for us, uh, the fact that we kept our core guys, you know, the Jonathan Taze and the Patrick Kane and Seabrook, Keith, Crawford, uh, Osa, uh, you know, we've, they're able to keep the core guys together. And they're pretty good core guys, too. They're leaders and they're, they're champions many times now. We know what they're all made of. And, uh, you know, and also, you know, drafting very well and signing free agents, the teams that were able to sign and uh, they didn't sign. And they, they those some of the, like Panarin this year has just been, you know, like a, to me, he represents a first pick in the draft for any team when you get a kid like this that comes in and plays the way he has. He's been tremendous. So, yeah, they, uh, you know, they, they, they continue to work. Uh, you know they continue to, to really look at good draft picks and uh, sign free agents when they can, and with the caps, with the salary cap, it's tough to do. But uh, they're able to, you know, to keep, uh, you know, keep this team uh, being a contender every year. Yeah, well, they they certainly all that. And uh, Connor McDavid, probably the best one-on-one moves I've seen since you, Denny, because you were pretty slick yourself. Thank you so much for making time for us tonight in Edmonton. Yeah, my pleasure. Reed. Good luck with your Oilers. And tell your fans to be patient. They're coming on. I know that. Uh, you have a great player there. They're going to enjoy watching him watch for maybe two decades because he's a heck of a kid, heck of a player. So good luck. Right on. Enjoy the game tonight. Thank you.
That is Denny Savard checking in tonight, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Wow, great to have him on the show. A great uh, Chicago Blackhawk player, had a stint with the Montreal Canadiens, won the Stanley Cup, played a little bit with Tampa Bay too, and then went back to uh, Chicago late in his career. If you did not see him play, the guy could carry the puck and beat people one-on-one, one-on-two, one-on-three. Uh, I'm sure you can find some of his stuff on uh, YouTube. Southside Rob texting in. Great to hear the wizard Denny Savard on your show. Interesting to note that he and Paul Coffey were drafted in the first round in the same year, 1980. He was drafted third, Coffey seventh. Both were awesome Hall of Fame players. The 1980 draft. Uh, okay, Coffey actually went sixth. Doug Wickenheiser, one. Dave Babich, two. Savard, three. Murphy, four. Darren Veach, five. And Paul Coffey, six. So if you were to redraft that, I mean, you'd, you'd probably go Coffey, Savard, Murphy. Or would you go Savard, Coffee, Murphy? I don't know if you could go wrong. <laughs> uh, Gordon is up next on the phone line, but i got to take a quick timeout inside sports on 630 Chet. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chet. All right, it's now 3-1 for the Wheat Kings leading the Oil Kings late in the first period. The Oil Kings facing elimination down 3-2 in that first-round series. We'll keep you updated throughout the evening here on Inside Sports. Well, Denny Savard still remembers being left off the Canada Cup team in 1984. I don't know if he's quite completely over it. That's the impression I got. I don't know if Gordon feels the same, but Gordon, thanks a lot for calling. Yeah, thank you, Reed. Uh, can you hear me okay? I haven't got a radio voice. We got you, <laughs> uh, Reed. I've, uh, I've, uh, I was just listening in to, uh, which I generally always do it to uh, six thirty. Chad there doing the sports. Uh, I, I have some information on uh, Rexall. What, what have participated in the Think You're Tough contest in Rexall, and. Uh, I remember it well because I fought three fights in one day and ended up with fighting with Kenny uh, Lacusta in the final. And uh, we had a very, you know, I thought we had a pretty good match. And uh, <clears throat> it just brings back a lot of memories. And I also got to see uh, Muhammad Ali uh, spar with Semenko there in a little, I think, I believe that was where it was. Okay. And, uh, Gordon, let's. And I, yeah, sorry? Let's go back to the beginning. Okay. So the contest was called You Think You're Tough? When was this? Yeah. I think we were trying to say, uh, my wife and I both aren't very good on uh, computers and stuff, but I think it was about 83. Okay. So Lacusta was yeah. probably the Canadian champ or an up-and-coming guy, because when did he no, fight? He, was, when yeah, did he... He, wasn't quite, he wasn't Canadian champ yet, but he was working his way up. Because eh? DeWitt beat him in 86, and if you can listen to the documentary tomorrow, we got a little bit on the DeWitt-Lacusta fight at Northlands Coliseum, oh, yeah. which was a huge deal at the time. Okay, yeah, I've seen that one, yeah. Okay, now, Gordon, were you... Okay, so you entered this competition. Were you a boxer? Were you any sort yeah, of a... Yes, I, okay, so yes, you didn't... I was. I even fought in the old sales pavilion back in the 60s. Okay. I fought a guy when I was 14. I fought a guy from the Army. They used to allow that then, eh? Okay, so I just wanted to make sure you weren't just some average Joe. Like, if I went into a boxing match, I, I would get killed. So at least I'm glad you didn't put yourself at risk. So you entered well, kind of like a tournament, and then the winner got to spar with Lacusta. 
well, no, you got to fight. The best man comes out alive kind of thing. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I could have beat Kenny. I told him that if I would have been, I never fought for seven years. I, like I had five consecutive provincial titles and three golden gloves. I fought out of Vancouver for a couple of years. Heavyweight? DC titles. No, middleweight, light middle. Oh, so what did you uh, weigh? That like was one? My downfall is 1968. Uh, they didn't pick me on the Olympic team, even though I won the Canadian championship. I won the provincial Golden Gloves and Canadians in '68. So you were in your hint, and then. So you were in your late 30s or mid 30s when you did this in '83. Then. Yeah, yeah, I think I was about 33 or something like that. Yeah. Oh, jeez. To be an old guy. So what was your actual belt like against Lacusta? Uh, it was, uh, well, Kenny was a, he was a hard hitter, hard puncher, and uh, he fought, I think it was one fella, and knocked him out with one punch. And then the second guy backed down, guy I know well, but if he's listening, I guess he'd know, uh, he would be embarrassed. Okay. But, uh, he didn't, he backed down, and uh, so I had to, in the meantime, I had uh, two fights. Uh, I bruised the one guy's ribs up pretty bad, but uh, the second fella was a pretty pretty formidable formidable po- opponent. So uh, we fought our final fight about 10 o'clock in the evening, I believe it was. And this was all but, in uh, the Coliseum? I fought in about seven. Yes, it was, yeah. Oh, wow. I so fought in about uh, seven years. So, <laughs> but I, I ran, I trained in, uh, in Hinton where I lived. My dad used to have boxing clubs in Slaybreak and uh, in Hinton. And we knew Scotty McCrandall, all the McCrandles well. I, I even sparred with Al Ford there when he was... When he was just starting out as a pro, and okay, Gordon, that's a that's a really cool first-hand story that I did not expect to hear tonight. So thank you very much for yeah. sharing that. Can I can I just say one more thing? That's very uh, newsworthy. Uh, I got to shake hands with uh, Rocky Marciano when they were watching our fights in Diamond Belt in Vancouver, and I got his autograph. And then uh, Joe Lewis, I got to shake his hands in Vegas, but I couldn't get his autograph. Because they said he was sick and he died that night. Oh, jeez. And uh, got Muhammad Ali's autograph. Just by, you know, a lot of it was luck, eh? You know, the, the right place, the right time. Yeah. But I would like to encourage, you know, every, every all the young fellas that's uh, out there to work you work hard, and discipline is one of the number one games. And I also disagree with you, and uh, I really believe that uh, Eberly is one of the best eye-hand uh, hockey players out there, and you cannot lose him. He's just... He's just too good, that kid. He's, he toughens up a little bit more, and you can't you can't beat that guy around the net. Gordon, thanks for calling, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Reed. Okay, that is Gordon. Wow, that was cool. How about that? He, so he, he fought in this You Think You Were Tough contest in 1983 and got to beat Ken Lacusta. And, yes, now a few people texting in about uh, Semenko and uh, Muhammad Ali. Gabriel in Calgary says, uh, nobody remembers that, but I do. I feel old all of a sudden. (laughs) Gabriel, don't feel old. This show should make you feel young, or at the very least, immature, like the host. We're coming up to the 7 o'clock news. Okay, I've been promising you Connor McDavid, because I did interview him today with a couple of other guys. So we will get to that, and uh, we'll get to Mark Lamb, former Edmonton Oiler, now a GM and coach with Swift Current in the Western Hockey League. 1990 Stanley Cup champion. He scored a huge goal in 1990. That that if not if not for that goal, the Oilers may have been eliminated in the first round. So he'll have some memories of that. Cal Nichols as well, former chairman of the Edmonton Investors Group, all still ahead. Inside Sports on 6:30, Chet.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.